Hello, the internet, and welcome <laughs> to season 128, episode 4 of Dirt Daily Zeitgeist, yeah. a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness, nay, the world's shared consciousness, and say officially off the top, fuck the Koch brothers fuck and up. fuck Fox News. Fuck it's Thursday, April 9th, 2020. What is it, our 22nd day of quarantine? Where are we at here? That doesn't 50, matter. 50,000. Uh, my know. name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Stay at home, Jack. And don't you go out no more, no more, no more, no more. Stay at home, Jack. And don't you go out no more. Oh, Anna, oh, Anna, in the quarantine, you're the best producer that I've ever seen. I guess if you and Dana both go, there probably won't be no show. Uh, that is courtesy of Gian Caruzzi. John Caruzzi, uh, spelled G-I-A-N. And I'm Johnny. thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. I was keeping six feet from my bros. I was staying <laughs> six feet from my bros. my bros. You know how distancing go. You know how distancing go. Okay, thank you to my brain. I was singing that in the shower this morning. Uh, Drake inspired. <laughs> what is? I don't even know that <laughs> name. The name of that song is officially. I always just call it "With My Woes." But yes, thank know you yourself. To me. Yeah, that's what it is. That you see might be my favorite Drake song. You see his no, house in Architectural Digest? Oh my, it's it's obscene. It's so stupid. Uh, in Calabasas? No, Hidden in Hills? Canada. He's like, I oh. want it to last 100 years as a monument to me. Like, basically, he wanted to like stand okay. the test of time. But anyway. So what okay. did he build it out of? Sticks. <laughs> nice. <laughs> He he never heard the uh, the story about the big bad wolf and the three nah. little pigs. Nah, <laughs> he did. He built it out of straw. Yeah, uh, <laughs> just a pile of hay. Well, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat uh, from a four-year-old's bedroom at 6.47 a.m. It is Mr. Guy Montgomery. Yes, that's right. No further context required, Your Honor. Life's good, baby. <laughs> Broadcasting live from Auckland, New Zealand. Hopefully yes. yeah. in a different bedroom every day. All right. <laughs> yeah, All don't right. worry about Jamie. She has other works she's doing, so she's yes. safe and sound. So worry not. Uh, she'll be back, but don't worry. That's why well, she's not here. That's a weight off my shoulders. I speak on behalf of every Daily Zeitgeist listener, and I say <laughs> we can rest and breathe easy now. Absolutely. Yes. How is it in Auckland, New Zealand? It's so interesting now that we're doing the show truly across international datelines. Uh, what, what what's what's the vibe in Auckland now, guy? Uh, look, it's actually really hard to say, Miles. Uh, I've been <laughs> in my house, but uh, we are presently <laughs> observing the fifteenth day of our lockdown, as uh, mandated by our government, led by the brilliant Jacinda Ardern, and um. I don't know, man. It's as weird as it is anywhere, I guess. Sure. There's, uh, there seems to be returns that what we are doing is working, which feels pretty good because from my end, this does not feel like work at all. I'm, um, the days stretch out forever in front of me and uh, <laughs> nothing has meaning. I'm losing my mind. It's just nice to, to speak to some new people. There you go. Well, I'm glad we were able to speak to you too, man. That must be interesting to be in a country where people respect and trust the uh, authority figures. Yeah, look, I didn't, oh, I, I didn't want to wade into these murky waters, but look, the read from abroad here is that this this president of yours, it turns out this guy might not be so good at his job at all. Might not be the what? finished article. He might not be the finished article, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, Guy, fuck. we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of things we're talking about today. Uh, we're going to... Pour one out for Bernie and his campaign and uh, American democracy. Uh, we're gonna take stock of where we stand overall. Uh, I just feel I feel like we we need to some some added context of just how bad uh, we are doing in terms of uh, you know the spread of the coronavirus in this country and our handling of the crisis. The inspector general that was supposed to look at the bailout money uh, mysteriously uh, no longer in that position. Trump has nah. installed one of his own his own folk 
There might be a surveillance state coming, which would be fun to give some of the people who are uh, the very people who are fucking this thing up so so badly a little bit more power over our lives. Uh, yeah. Jared Kushner's team is seeking a national surveillance state for healthcare, uh, which, as we saw in the aftermath of 9-11, they do it when there's a crisis on and then let it ride for the next 20 years and you know use it in really abusive ways. We're going to ask the question, is Trump genuinely too dumb for this crisis? He, j- he doesn't seem to be able to, to view this in any terms other than zero sum, you know. He, he's hoarding uh, masks to the federal government from local hospitals. He's like seizing their masks. Oh, not, so that- also, also seizing shipments of PPE going to other countries that are our allies in like yeah. what is like modern day piracy, which is like, that, that, right. that, 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 nope, that's not going to Canada. That, that, that's not going to Germany. That's staying here. Yeah. We're going to check in with uh, the person everybody's been wanting to hear from, Martin Shkreli. Uh, We Mm -hmm. are going to look at why Jaws is genuinely the movie of the epidemic uh, of this moment. Uh, We're going to look at some core acts uh, and a guy who fell on a knife sculpture uh, just to catch up with some needless trips to the ER uh, to remind us of a simpler time. But first, Guy, we like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are or where we are as a people? There would be types of gloves. I uh, <laughs> uh, It recently occurred to me, this this could be a boon time for big glove. and um, yeah. Big glove, yeah. I sort of just wanted to see you know, what the varieties of glove are out there. And so I looked up types of gloves, hoping to find some sort of comprehensive list. Mm. Um. But no one's done that work yet. So, Mm. you know, there's a huge gap in the market where there's no conclusive list. But, you know, I was thinking gardening, washing up, (laughs) uh, heat resistant. There you go. Mittens. Driving. Hamburger helper. No, get the fuck out of here with your Stop treating your hands like feet, Miles. Okay, so mittens aren't gloves. gloves. See, this is the work we have to do, though, to wade into the muck. Miles only wears those... uh, Toe articulated socks, though that's an important piece of context. Dude, for him. Jack, All you know what's gonna fuck? You know what it's gonna on. blow your fucking mind right now? No, <laughs> he really has socks on that have a big toe articulation. They're Japanese socks for tabi when you wear uh, Japanese uh, sandals. They're oh, for- <laughs> that makes sense. Okay, how do they how do they feel without the sandal? Oh, they feel great. I don't know. I love it. I I grew up kind of with this feeling on my feet. So I'm um, I'm look. I'm going back to comfort, baby. I got the tubby socks on. That's why it was so funny. You're like he's got articulated socks. I'm like, I, do have, I have like Stop. a lobster claw foot. Stop segregating yeah. the toes. They all yeah. Yeah. live together. The Same other toes will be that, that, be that big running. toe though. Crucial yeah, yeah. for balance. Crucial for balance. And crucial for picking things up. Yeah, I can put yeah. up a tennis ball with my toes. No, you cannot. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I can. I've got really flexy toes. All right. That's pretty impressive. Well, we'll have to see that on That's why IG I like to, to keep them all together so that they're on the, the same team. Got it. Got Look, I got to <laughs> yeah, tell no you, I'm, I'm only pretending to be impressed by that. I can actually throw a curveball with my toes. My, <laughs> my toes are so long and finger-like. Uh, but Throw a lot of off-speed pitches with that left foot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fucking Tim Wakefield over here. Uh, what is something you think is underrated, guy? I, uh, f- for me, Jack, that's got to be washing your hands. I, I wish <laughs> someone had, I wish someone had told me about this before 2020. You know, yeah. For too many yeah. years now, I've been traipsing around with all this muck on my hands. <laughs> yeah. And uh, look, I, I don't want to, you know, forecast it too early, but I think that this is a trend that is uh, that's here to stay. Oh man, what? Yeah. what uh, I think you yeah. might be right. You have any new ways of washing your hands? Have you been experimenting or just doing a traditional digital wash? Uh, your fingers. Yeah, just your traditional digital wash. Uh, scored mm-hmm. to Skimble Shanks, the railway cat, the cat mm-hmm. of the railway train, um, which is. What does his song go like? Skimble Shanks, the railway cat, the cat of the railway train. And then uh, all the other cats, they they get out, and it turns out they can really unite behind Skimble Shanks. 
Yeah. Um, it absolutely slaps. <laughs> it absolutely. It's also <laughs> very uh very triumphant. I I feel like that would be a good way to to wash your oh, hands man. and by the time it, it rolls around in Tom Hooper's cats, you couldn't be happier to see old Skimble. I mean, we've just watched a sort of three-minute interpretive orgy dance, and what what you really want is some light in your life. So uh, yes. he's been he's been scoring my hand washing, and I'm I'm having a great time. And since you're making a cats reference, I must ask you: Have you seen the latest uh, iteration of the musical? I the movie. Yes. Mate, the butthole cut. I think Miles is right. Ah, the butthole cut. Well, I was leading to that to say if you have, and then from there go one step further. Are you demanding to see the butthole cut? I am. I am one of those people who is absolutely. You know, I'd climb over another person to watch the butthole cut. My uh, Mm -hmm. friend and podcast (laughs) co-host Tim Bat, who we do a podcast called The Worst Idea of All Time. We watch and review the same bad movie every week for a year. We did a little mini series uh, back in the days when you could leave the house to go to the cinema called Our Week with Cats, where we went and watched cats every day for a week. Um, <laughs> and so I've got a pretty intimate relationship to oh, it. I would man. love to see any variant on that film. We're still <laughs> waiting for Tom Hooper's director's commentary to be released down here, but when it comes out, rest assured, I, I look forward to finding out what in First fuck's in name line. that guy was trying to do. just hearing his like thought process absolutely when it comes to hand washing i highly recommend people check out uh there are a couple youtube videos of a surgeon scrubbing in for surgery obviously you don't have to do everything that they do but i do think that it's it's a good way of like kind of getting your mind around the like very basic dynamics of hand washing which is like you're trying to loosen the dirt off of the dirt and germs off of your hands, uh, as opposed to just getting soap on your hands to kill the germs. Like you're, yeah. you're really trying to working them. Uh, you got to work them. Work them. Yeah, just get. get I remember that. my orthodontist when I would go there, and before he would ever, you know, put even his gloves on to do like an exam of my braces or whatever. The way he washed his fingertips is almost like the Italian guy. Yeah. Do, hey, hey, what's the matter with you with his fingertips? And I would always be like, what the fuck is this guy doing washing his fi- like his hands like this? Yeah, and I the realized, little like, circles on the fingertips. Yeah, he's like, oh, I'm like, right. He's putting his hands in my fucking mouth. And he's like ensuring Maybe. that even the tips of his fingers are clean. That's what he says to the gyms. He goes, hey, what's the <laughs> matter with you, huh? Get out of here. <laughs> that, that Kiwi version of a New York Italian accent is amazing guy what do you mean kiwi vision that's a that's a <laughs> up to snuff by anyone's standard <laughs> i couldn't quite lean into it with as much emphasis as i would like because there are of course sleeping housemates to contend with. <laughs> oh that's right it's 6 oh my god yeah <laughs> wait is there a four-year-old asleep directly next to you no no uh I, okay I that's cleverly good. chose a time when the four-year-old is not asleep next to me okay that's good uh what is something you think is overrated uh, look, once more, boys, I don't want to ruffle any feathers, but COVID-19, I'll be the first to come out here and say it. <laughs> this is a bad virus. It's making yeah. people sick. It's disrupting people's lives. It's dominating the news cycle. And you might think it's a weird hill to die on, but I'm against it. This is some <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> Brave. Hey, man. I'm we glad somebody's saying guys' bravery. Yeah, like there are certain things that I feel like are too controversial for Miles and I to say, but it's good to have somebody on who's brave enough to just come out and say it. Uh, Yeah, I do what Uh, I can. That feels like a weight off of my shoulders for some reason. (laughs) But yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully that loosens up other people's stances so we can all unite behind the idea that this is is not good. I have a sincere question. In New Zealand, is there what's the cohort of Kiwis that are like parallel to our American right wing people who are like, it's a joke, man. It's this is it's you're getting it all messed up. Um, or are Kiwis too culturally like of sound mind and belief science? Yeah. Be like, yep, all right, we'll take that seriously. I don't wanna upset you, uh, Miles. <laughs> I think it, it, initially there was certainly some skepticism, but yeah. um once of once the the obvious weight of the whole thing dawned on us as a nation uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. and also we don't we've we've got this one sort of blowhard pundit who represents Fox News in New Zealand a guy called Mike Hosking who sort of he he represents your entire right-wing news cycle where he'll sure. change his opinion daily depending on what he thinks will 
stoke people's, you know, fire or whatever. But there's no opportunity for a mainstream voice or collection of opinions to rise in New Zealand. Largely, it's it's been incredible. Like everyone has genuinely rallied around uh, our prime minister's orders, and I don't really know what to tell you, mate. I think <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> that's not a reality. Yeah. Yeah, I I think again, like we were saying, even yesterday's episode, it's just it honestly, it's the worst infomercial for the United States ever. This whole uh, pandemic, and you're like, oh yeah, you you guys thought this place was uh, we had it together over here? We're, we're, so, we're failing in the so basic levels. Brutal, because for so long America's done a brilliant job of broadcasting itself and just everything that's happening within your country in high definition to the rest of the world. Like as an outsider. Right. You're not just a standard bearer, but you are the the source to which we defer for information and entertainment. And so to see the other side of that constant broadcast where it's like everything is going wrong, yeah. it's um it's a it's a genuinely brutal watch. Yeah, is is that imagine. kind of the how, how are I mean obviously you can't speak for everyone else who's not American in the rest of the world, but is there like some genuine Well, hold on, you might be up to the challenge. Okay, can you speak <laughs> yeah. for every every single person well, who's not American? That's right. Uh, the reason I'm up so early is because I was just on a conference call with um the rest of the world. <laughs> <laughs> is, is it being kind of is America being viewed with kind of grim fascination slash yeah, dread? It's, yeah, it's this sort of been this precipitous slide where because you've had the same president for the last three years. Uh, the erosion of not respect, but just expectation has been uh, dipping. And so it's just like, it's the worst possible president at the worst possible time. I mean, it's sort of, even in the worst parts of Trump's presidency before this, it felt like uh, the the damage, the overwhelming damage to the psyche and the presentation of America could not last forever. But now he's sort of been given this pandemic, which means that, how terrible he is will genuinely leave a stain on America for I don't know how long. It's the, yeah. the perception. In short, Jack, the perception from us uh, over here is not good. <laughs> Back to you. You heard it here first. <laughs> the rest of the world kind of cringing. Yeah, we've noticed. <laughs> Fuck, man. Just wait till we reelect this motherfucker. Oh, it's gonna be. So That's grim. gonna be a real, real kick to the balls of America's international reputation. Uh, oh, and and finally, what is a myth, guy? What, what's uh, something people think is true, you know, to be false, or vice versa? Well, uh, previously, I think a lot of a lot of people uh, we've been under laboring under the false premise that fire was invented uh, in the caves of Israel roughly 400 to 300,000 years ago but uh, even even from here even from this sort of isolated position a little bird has come along and told me about uh, a man named Prometheus who <laughs> he didn't much care for the way that uh, Zeus was was treating humans the sort of the mm. disparaging relationship he had to them. And so one day this titan of man, Prometheus, he, uh, well, <laughs> what did he do? If he didn't sneak up to Mount Olympus itself and stole fire from Hephaestus. Uh, uh. The, yeah, that's right. And uh, he, he brought that back down to humanity so that we could exchange and use fire liberally. And you're going to be upset to hear that Zeus caught wind of this and he was furious. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> really, really pissed off, and uh, so he, he he tracked down Prometheus and using Hephaestus's skills as a um as the god of labor or something like that, he he chained him to a <laughs> a rock, and uh, then he'd send a, an eagle down to uh, hack away at Prometheus's liver, and for thirty years Prometheus would 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 have his liver hacked at by a hawk and think to himself, "Gosh, I wish I hadn't." A, Went and got that fire for everyone. I hope they're grateful. Mm. I hope this doesn't yeah. get, uh, you know, I hope that the the credit for this doesn't get, you know, miscast upon those people who were in caves three to 400,000 years ago. <laughs> and so I guess I'm sort of here on behalf of him and, and Hercules, <laughs> by the way. I don't know. No, <laughs> who freed him. But yeah. Yeah. Just something to clear Great. up. Thank you. Uh, 
Thank you for clearing that up uh, for the world. <laughs> I think now more than ever, we need we need to know the truth. Yeah. We need hot um, facts. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Thank you for that moment of clarity. My pleasure. Well, speaking of uh, gods of labor, Bernie Sanders has uh, dropped out of the presidential race 2020. And now it's down to Biden versus Trump. Uh, this is just a all-around very depressing day, I think, for American democracy, or yesterday was, I guess. Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, I think when you see how awful things are because of coronavirus and all of the vulnerabilities that we have and all of the, the myriad of ways that a lot, even a lot of candidates who have already dropped out were offering solutions to things like this in as part of their platform. And then to go to a guy who's like, yeah, you're going to love your uh, employer provided insurance. Even if you're furloughed, you'll pay for it. Uh, even if you're furloughed or whatever, uh, we'll pay for COVID-19 treatment. But like any other medical expense you have could, uh, you're on the hook for that because <laughs> that's what we're doing here. Yeah, I think it's really... It's it's a frustrating time, I think, for everyone who worked on the campaign uh, and gave hours of their life. Like any campaign, it fucking sucks. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really know what to say. I, I think this seemed like a foregone conclusion the second uh, a lot of the Super Tuesday antics started going down in terms of like the brute force getting behind of Joe Biden all at once. Um, but yeah, yeah. I. You know, appreciate everything that Bernie Sanders has done because he pulled the party to the left after the 2016. He pulled the party to the left even more this time. Uh, but we, man, there's still so there's still so much work we have to do. Still, still so much. Yeah, Natalie Shearer, who I think has always been a very like smart and reasonable commentator on uh, all of this, while being you know a, a Sanders supporter. Uh, Tweeted, my hot take is that Bernie lost because reorienting an entrenched capitalist party around a robust working class agenda and organizing a majority of primary voters behind it is extremely hard. And I think that is a good description of the uh, Herculean guy uh, task that the uh, Sanders supporters and the, um, the left had to undertake just to get to where they got with Sanders winning the states that he won. You know, I I also don't think we should underestimate how uh you know deadly this is, how how bad this is for American democracy. Um we talked in a recent episode about how the economic hardship caused by the American healthcare system on average everyday Americans, uh historians looked at it and said it was on on par with the Treaty of Versailles, you know, economic hardship imposed on Germans. And that obviously led to the rise of Hitler and Nazism. And, you know, this is this was a chance to try and kind of uh, address that problem in a way that would have been productive and proactive and actually address the problem. And it seems like we're kicking that can down the road a little bit further and you know that that problem is going to metastasize if if we keep assuming that we can just uh continue with business as usual that problem's going to metastasize into and i mean we're already seeing it metastasize but it's going to get a lot worse until we can actually address the the problem in a, in a yeah. way that's constructive yeah, the perception from down here once again, fellas, is uh, it's well, it's uh, it's bad. Uh, a mistake, <laughs> a mistake has been made. Uh, I mean, I I don't, I don't want to frame this in an insensitive way, but to watch something like this, which is like almost an advertorial for the values of a public healthcare system, roll out at a time when America, or at least the Democratic primaries, is is turning its back on the like only feasible solution to not just a response to this but any other like if if COVID-19 has the capability to to you know rip through the the world like this who's to say that something else might not do it again and like I do you think there would have been any difference in the outcome 
Like the election cycle has been totally shunted aside, at least uh, from the the news cycle that I, I'm receiving. Not to, not totally, but it's just to, you know for for how prominent it's it has been, been previously. Yeah, it's on the back burner. If this had happened, if the timing had been different, and COVID nineteen started taking such a global impact as it did prior to other candidates dropping out, and Bernie could actually pivot and powerfully position himself in front of this as opposed to sort of having his platform disrupted by people being less interested in assuming that Biden was the winner by the time that this had taken effect. Would that have made any difference, do you think? I think it probably would have. I think the, you know, again, it's the the one effect of the whole pandemic here is it's laying bare all of the inefficiencies and inequalities that we have here, like in a very aggressive way. And I think a lot of people, I think the reason why it's hard for us, a, a candidate like Bernie Sanders to truly, truly, truly reach a majority and like be able to have a movement that can sort of uh, even see past any like powerful mainstream media messaging around a candidate is that we need to reach a tipping point as a as a population, as a voting group where everyone understands what the stakes are. There's still too many competing explanations for why people are disenfranchised, and we haven't fully settled. There's clearly a group of progressives that have a very clear understanding of why we have such systemic inequality in this country. There are other people who have many other theories and some that don't want to look as aggressively at the capitalist system and the corporatocracy that operates this country. Um, and I think until we reach that genuine tipping point, it's going to be very hard because at the end of the day, the people running the messages are the people that are the most wealthy. So um, with this, you know, this, a lot of people suddenly were in the reality who may have been saying like, yeah, I don't, I like my employee provided health insurance, but I wonder how many people now, if they've been, if they've lost their employment because of this pandemic, have no insurance, are fearing a pandemic, are worried that like, well, what if I even just hurt myself in the course of day-to-day -day life during a quarantine without health insurance? It would be great to have health insurance no matter what. I think that piece might be coming into view a little bit more. But again, it, it's, it's hard because everyone's motivations are different. And we haven't reached that point of like really unifying across all kinds of socioeconomic classes to be able to have a as mm. powerful movement as we'd need. Yeah. yeah. And you would have needed the mainstream media to get behind him, I think, a little bit more. And I just don't think that was ever going to happen. And I don't think the DNC was ever. There's just too much money at stake for uh, for the, the wealthy in the country to allow someone like that to... Uh, to get the momentum required to become the nominee. As someone who's living in America without insurance, like I had travel insurance, but I didn't have actual health insurance in America, having New Zealand as the place I'm from and being able to come back, I, I cannot describe like the wave of relief that has poured over me and telling all of my friends who are in America to, to come, like to return home. Like the idea of, I mean, and this is an experience that Americans are living without the stopgap of being from a different country where universal healthcare is a is a given. It's like the idea of being in America at this time and falling through the cracks of that medical system, or like being exposed to just how brutal it is. Is a, I I can't even fathom it. It's totally totally overwhelming. And it like it, I woke up this yeah. morning to to read that Bernie news, and I just I was I mean it was it was a foregone conclusion, but it's still a gut punch. Yeah. We have a unique mentality in this country where we have been socialized and messaged into a pattern of thinking where needing help is un-American because mm. we we give people help. We don't need help because we've, we're for the fucking best. And if we're the best, we never need fucking help. And we're used to a certain level of mistreatment as citizens where it's like, yeah, well, that's kind of we're We're not, we're not a country where we're used to saying, well, you need to help me then. Or like, then you, then someone else needs to sort this out. It's sort of like, ah, shit, I guess uh, we got to figure this out on our own because we're strong enough to do it. And that's just the, the way we think because we shame, we shame people into needing help. We shame the poor. And we have this culture of that, of having such a stigma around not having that we're mm. unable to actually exercise any kind of sympathy or empathy towards those people. And it's and that's what we're seeing. It's it's eating us alive inside. Yeah. Mm. All right, let's take a quick break and uh we'll be right back.
And we're back. I, I do want to just take a quick look at I feel like we're in the stream of the news cycle, so we're all paying attention from one moment to the next. And I don't think people in our country take a step back and really appreciate how badly we uh, fucked the coronavirus response up. We have the highest number of coronavirus cases at this point. Of the top five countries by population in the world, we have the lowest population density by far. Um, you know, we have more people traveling, uh, so that you could you could maybe uh, give that as an excuse. But uh, I think that's also, I mean, it, it shouldn't be underestimated the the fact that we travel on commercial aircraft which don't clean. <laughs> like they're not cleaned in between uh, people coming on and off because, uh, you know, germs are not a thing that shows up. And, uh, you know, it, it's just very uh, symptomatic of Amer late stage American capitalism and, uh, you know, ju just the, the system at work. Uh, so I don't know. It's a it's not a it's not an accident. We are where we are. And it's it's a yeah. bummer. The answer to like 99 out of 100 of these questions as to why the response is so bad is capitalism. Why aren't the planes cleaned more? Why aren't th why isn't that more? Well, that costs more money and that means less profits. Right. So we won't do that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, why don't we have more hospital capacity built out? Well, that costs more money and that means less profits. Right. So we're not going to do that. Why are we having why aren't we just moving some of these uh like a protective equipment around to the hospitals that need it rather than setting off bidding wars between our own states? Oh, that's because that will means we'll lose money, and that means less profits. That's that, that's the explanation of fucking everything, and, and it's it, it really it's really fucked up and cruel because we're looking at all of the all of this behavior with the backdrop of preventable death. Obviously, there are people who we we can't save every single person. That's just a scientific reality. But my God, we could have done a lot more, and we can still be doing a lot more. It's, I mean, it's look at India, look at South Korea, look at a lot of uh, other countries that have handled this much Am better. America is a, particularly now, again, it's a difficult time, I think, because it is, it's 50, I mean, it is essentially 50, 50 independent sovereign nations or whatever operating under the banner of the United States. And then when the person that you defer to as the overriding leader has no clear messaging or semblance of an idea of what they're confronting, then everyone is left to their own devices and there's no one to defer to or like look at like the role of communication here. I, I, again, I don't want to sound like a brag, but just, it's just the stark contrast is like, uh, our prime minister is giving daily updates that are broadcast across all of our media uh, channels. So, so is our president guy. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> he's actually, he's, he's writing, he's writing the pants off ours, yeah. um, but it's just like the, you know, across political lines, like the unity yeah. that as a nation, New Zealand citizens have responded to the idea that this is what we need to do to confront what's happening. And uh, there's no opportunity for uncertainty. I mean, there is, you know, to some to some degree for various different facets of society, but the overall humanity, you know, element of it where everyone's like, you know, this is, you're telling us what to do. It's been laid out very clearly. The messages are so clear. Uh it's just so it's so different. It makes it, it makes it look like it's almost an impossibility in America to do the same thing because yeah. there is yeah. it is so divided. There is no unity behind any core idea. Like the the fanning the flames of uncertainty about whether or not this is real or like how seriously to take it. I mean, it's it's like the conversation is caught six months ago at a time right. when it it just it, it can't be. Yeah. And I think that uh, when, when it comes to specifically, Miles, you mentioned the idea of, you know, the distribution of PPE and all these uh, distribution of medical supplies and uh, aid and all, all the things that uh, that that I think is unique to this, <laughs> this administration. In addition to Guy, the stuff you're talking about where there's just no coherent strategy being communicated, but um, there's no humanity. There's, there's no right. there's, there's no, no acknowledgement of the humanity of the situation. That's what's the fucking problem. But when it comes to just like straight up uh mind-boggling like uh unprecedented levels of incompetence, I th I do think the distribution of uh of the you know things that are needed 
for this specific emergency. Like that, this is something we've seen with him from the start that he's incapable of viewing uh, the U.S. government like as like you should be able to view the U.S. government, uh, and instead he views it as uh, his own business to run, and so. Mm-hmm. You know, we we saw it uh, early on in his presidency with his inability to like view international trade as like a, a thing where rising tides, uh, you know, rise all boats. It's it's a thing where like it's a zero sum game where he has to like get over on his opponent. And now we're starting to see that even with the distribution of aid, like with the federal government seizing uh you know masks and uh healthcare equipment from hospitals and from yeah. state uh level governments because i don't know because he feels like he's in competition with them and because like you saw that in some of his statements at his daily briefing where he is yeah he's like viewing what? it as a us versus them thing he's telling everyone off for not preparing themselves and with the other hand he's literally taking what little supply they have to right. yeah. bolster the argument he's otherwise making. Like, that's the thing with everything, or capitalism, particularly like the money comes out somewhere, and a, a pandemic, like, you know, a pandemic that's ripping through the nation, that's one of the last places you want to see the money come out. Yeah. But even, I mean, this isn't even profitable. This is just him being too dumb for the moment. Like, he's just not up to it. Like, there's this article where uh, in... Yahoo about the Fed seizing masks from hospitals and the doctors are like, are they stockpiling this stuff or are they distributing right. it? We don't know. And are we going to ever get any of it? It's just like, what could possibly be a better use of masks and hospital equipment than hospitals that are fighting the coronavirus right now yeah. like what it, what does he think is that what does he think he's doing he's gonna like save it for a rainy day like this is about as rainy as they get man it'll be it's literally so he can give a press conference in front of a mountain of masks so you can say <laughs> look at all the masks we've got yeah yeah maybe <sighs> I mean, yeah. I mean, not to mention this, the hard pushing of hydroxychloroquine is like this miracle cure. And like people are still trying to figure out if he has a stake in that and who the people who do have a stake in that by the repetition of the mere repetition of the term is like helping the the stock price go up for this shit. It's it's just I mean, I don't know. I mean, is that the malaria treatment? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I there was a you know, there was like a woman in Detroit or in Michigan who said like it had completely cured her. It was weird. Like her, I, I I hope she actually did get well from using the medication, but it was almost written as if Trump needed this person to write how hydroxychloroquine was the miracle drug that brought them back from the edge of death. And then he had like retweeted the story. Um, and a lot of it, it just smacks of the profiteering that has gone on for centuries um, in this country. So I don't know. It's weird. I think, we always have these moments where we have to aggressively look America in its fucked up, rotting, evil fucking face and then be like, nah, I don't know. That's it's always kind of been there. I guess the makeup just needs to be reapplied a little bit. Um, but I'm like, it's really starting to be grating, especially when you look at how we're willing to turn our backs and even do harm to our allies, be petulant with Cuba, basically commit like medical terrorism against iran like it's just all fucking it's there's not a i, I can't i don't know I, i'm i'm just don't getting worry very upset don't worry it. too much miles when the great joe biden steps into office everything will be fine <laughs> yeah right. yeah i mean i think yeah the the only hope we have now is that he picks a a vp candidate that can get progressives at least half-heartedly enthusiastic about dragging their bodies and risking death amidst a pandemic to vote mm. right the movie Contagion has had a resurgence, obviously, in the because it predicted a lot of this shit. But there's a uh, there's a character who's like a combination of Matt Drudge and uh, Alex Jones, played by Jude Law, who's like pushing this fake treatment that's just an antibiotic that uh, he claims treats the disease and like cures the disease, uh, and. I would like when I rewatched it, I was like, yeah, things have devolved to the point that I there will be somebody like that who is like pushing a fake cure and making a bunch of money off of it. 
but it's really fucked up that it might be our president. Yeah. <laughs> it's like right. that. Yeah. I mean, that's unbelievable. It's truly, truly unfucking believable. Anyways, one of the people who's supposed to be keeping an eye on uh, the president as he's, you know, in charge of a government that's distributing two trillion dollars. Uh, and he's, you know, just notoriously the most corrupt human being in the history of the world, uh, is uh, an inspector general that has now been just kind of disappeared from from the government. Yeah, the whole thing was, you know, part of all these stimulus funds. It's like if we're going to be giving away cash to help businesses that are uh, in you know, nearing financial ruin due, due to the outbreak, you know, like we need some kind of oversight. It can't just be turning a fire hose and making it rain on Trump supporters who own businesses and then just and then completely forget smaller business owners. Um, so there are a few mechanisms that were put in place for the bill that was passed by Congress. One was to have one that was made up by members of Congress, um, which is still there. So there is some kind of oversight from Congress, uh, members of Congress. But there was also, um, you know, a panel of inspectors general had come together to nominate someone to be the sort of inspector general to sort of head up this effort. And they had picked this guy, Glenn Fine, who is the Pentagon watchdog. And people were like, great. If the other IGs think this is the guy, like, it sounds good. He'll be somewhat independent. We don't have to quite worry. Cut to, I remember when this happened, Trump was like basically intimating. He's like, yeah, that'll, we'll see how long that lasts. Well, he he was honest because Glenn Fine is no longer um, overseeing this entire operation. And now they have the EPA inspector general who will serve as the temporary watchdog uh, for this. So it's going to be, I don't know. It, it's, <laughs> it's the same thing that happened. Like this is sort of what happened with the Occupy movement too, with a lot of TARP funds going out. And people were like, what the fuck? There's no... There's no accountability for this money. Like, it's real murky. We don't know what's going on. And people are just walking out with bags of cash. Um, it's hopefully not going to repeat itself. But it looks like they're doing a very good job. Because like you said, post 9-11, post 2008 recession, it's a great time for the sharks to come in and try and run off with a bunch of our money uh, in another. See, this time, again, the, the wealth redistribution typically happens from goes, the, the wealth tends to go to the top. And that's what we're trying to prevent, but we'll see. This is your money, by the way. This is uh, taxpayer money, right? Like yeah. that's, that's where this money's coming from. And so this is directly who whoever gets it uh if it's not people who are directly in need then that is them stealing money from you so it is something that you should that we should all be yeah. paying attention and with, to and right. i mean historically this is a a time when uh america's flaws get kind of uh hardened into uh you know how like how the system is run uh, in the aftermath of World War II, we had the GI Bill, and that was one of the primary ways that the U.S. government enforced racism with redlining uh, and not allowing uh, people of color and specifically African-American families to partake in some of the housing loans. Uh, so it's something that uh, these are sp specific times that we need to be paying extra close attention. And, uh, you know, we don't necessarily have the right federal government in place to to be doing that. No, I think you've got the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> Guys coming with these hot takes that I I don't know if the I don't know if the world's yeah, ready for the, them. The job is coursing through my body and I'm ready to serve, serve up some <laughs> scolding hot takes on the state of affairs. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Uh Kushner's team is seeking, you know, relaxed restrictions on their ability to access healthcare information. Uh, that is the president's uh, son-in-law is being put in charge of a lot of how we are dealing with this crisis. Mm -hmm. Somebody mm -hmm. who bought his way into Harvard. His uh, parents his... bought his way into Harvard. I'm sorry. He didn't I'm sorry. have that money. My bad. Don't, that, that, that is that to, be, to be fair, he did leverage that opportunity into the White House. So... Big props to my man, Jay Cush. <laughs> right. That's true. That's From true. humble beginnings, my man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Straight to the really top. did it, man. Uh, and, and he also leveraged it into what is 
what experts think is one of the worst real estate deals in the history of uh, Manhattan real estate, but uh, one that he had to <laughs> get bailed out of by by his uh, who it would have gone down in history and completely ruined him were it not for the enormous stroke of luck that his father-in-law happened to be elected president. My man, he was in a position to make a mistake on that scale to literally skate through unscathed. <laughs> Jay Kush! <laughs> untouchable, untouchable. <laughs> Unfuckwithable. Um, yeah. Yeah. What's Ivanka up to? I, I feel like we're not hearing much. I, like I saw an Instagram post that somebody uh, retweeted where she's like making pillow forts with her kids and shit and just being, being mom. Yeah, I think she's been doing like video chats or some yeah. shit. I don't know. I, I heard noticed- something. Trump said that she created ten percent of the jobs in America. So yeah, totally. I think, I think definitely, we should respect definitely, definitely. her. <laughs> um, I, I noticed that the movie The Hunt. There's a character who in the pre in the uh, trailer they made them look like Ivanka, and then uh, the Doughboys had. Uh, reviewed the new Vin Diesel movie Bloodshot, and they said that it seemed as though his love interest was specifically made to look like Ivanka. Uh, so I think that there's like some, there's probably some unconscious fascination with Ivanka Trump that is like happening in America. That it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Uh, again, oh, yeah. just truly well deserved. <laughs> <laughs> and super producer Anna Hosnia just shared a tweet from Ivanka, uh, wherein she said, "We'll never stop fighting for America's small business owners." Uh, so yes, we can. Uh, shout out to her. Oh, nice. I mean, she did say, I think, in one of those videos that she's rereading the Odyssey. So great, she will learn the tale mm-hmm, of Odysseus. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And also, dude, great get book. Some- Doing taking some guitar lessons, man. Trying to start doing some finger picking. She hey, is. If, yes, if you created ten for... percent of American jobs, Miles, then uh, maybe I wouldn't begrudge you a couple of guitar lessons as well. Take a play off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jack, do you, are you you're a you're a parent who is raising children during this time, working from home? Do you have time to learn guitar right now? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just looking for <laughs> stuff to do. I'm just like, God, I'm so bored. What, what so am I gonna? What am I gonna have enough things to do to fill my hey, time? Hey, babe, I think I'm gonna learn harp. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Right. Oh my God, it is just even non-stop. saying that. That sentiment is already so offensive that you could even say that. Like you're a fucking yeah. working parent. You go like, I'm gonna fucking learn guitar. Yeah. I love it. It's a fucking nightmare. Yeah, me too. Love it. It's become idiocracy, man. All right. uh, Let's take one more quick break, and we'll be right back. And we're back. And the mention of idiocracy, uh, the the Luke Wilson film, brought up uh, a conversation during our break uh, that I wanted to share with the with our listeners uh, about Luke Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's a stark division uh, w- w- between Miles and and the rest of us when it comes to uh, just what what his whether Luke Wilson deserves the career he had um I'm deserves, not saying he doesn't deserve I'm saying he's lucky he's boring he's, lucky. he's boring you he's say boring. he's boring you say he and is appeal, a void on his screen a, his appeal is in his lack of whatever the fuck it is no no the the big mistake you're making which is the same mistake a lot of people make is they're measuring Luke's charisma against Owen. I'm not. I'm not. I'm looking at. I'm looking at a movie like Blue Streak, which I love. I uh, love the soundtrack. His. I mean, he's just like. He's like, whoa, man. I'm just. Uh, it, I don't know. His energy is just like not interesting he's, to me. So he's he always. Have you plays seen the, the Family kind of Stone? Have you seen the Family Stone, yes. Miles? Seen the Family Stone. I've seen Royal Tenenbaums. I think he's. I think he's fine. What I'm saying is he's not burning down the house like we go. My God, that Luke Wilson's fucking. There's something about him, man. That just fucking. He's got it. He's, yeah, that's he's, what I'm he, saying. You're not. That's you're not. not wh- that's not his strength. You're not whizzing down to the cinema to see the latest Luke Wilson film. He's a. He's a very strong second fiddle. He's a strong yeah. second fiddle. 
Powerful second and fiddle. Powerful of second strong, chair. That jawline, that jawline is powerful. <laughs> you you said that he is like David Schwimmer crossed with John Oliver, which yeah, is facially. probably the least uh, generous description. Look at of that. That's Schwimmer. Luke Wilson. Look at his Wikipedia page. Him tightening that tie. That's Schwimmer. He's got yeah, Schwimmer for, uh, vibes. For anyone who uh, wants to know, play man. along with what Miles is showing us, just go to Luke Wilson's wiki page. I was yeah. devastated to see that there's not even a personal life tab available. Exactly. I think that, I mean, that speaks volumes too. Like, what, this, uh, who is this guy? Does he do anything? Just, uh, he operates in suspended <laughs> animation in between roles. We don't know who Luke Wilson is, guys. Yeah. I, he's a cipher, but so, so is Shakespeare. So is Shakespeare, you know? Nobody knows Luke anything Luke Wilson about is actually an assembly and algorithmic response of uh, many actors. I, I love calling to question the the value of any celebrity's personal life if they don't have a specific tab on Wikipedia. Yeah. Like, what, are, yeah. what are we to believe? That they just yeah. sit around between roles? I mean, I think the charitable version is probably like, hey, maybe he's really, he wants to keep his personal life private. So there's not a tab like this available because he doesn't divulge that information. Well, you've come I full say, circle because I'm not buying what you're selling, Miles. Yeah. Which is what? Um, you think You think it's a full conspiracy? Big time. Look, I'm not, I'm, I do want to say, I'm not like of the stars of old school. He is the least charismatic, right? Like he's uh, Jeremy Piven is better in old school than Luke Wilson. Eh, I, Look, I before we had that. access to Jeremy Piven's private life, that guy was doing a pretty serviceable job as a character actor. Yeah, that's true. Who? Piven. Piven. Oh yeah. And then what um, did he get? I, mercury poisoning from eating too much sushi? Was that a rumor? Yeah. Or that was true, right? No, that was or he had true. high levels of mercury because he was eating uh, sushi like fucking every day. Medically like dangerous levels of mercury because <laughs> he was eating only sushi. Only what uh, a, <laughs> that's such an LA rich piece of shit move to be yeah, like, really like L, that's like LA gout, which is like, dude, yeah. I eat the fucking crispy tuna from Katsuya every fucking day, bro, and I'm dying. I I like anyway. Owen Wilson better than Luke. I'm not I'm not out here saying Luke Wilson deserves all the success he got. I just don't think he's a complete uh, zero on screen. I think I think he can hold down a movie. I'm I'm not saying he's a complete zero. What I'm saying is his value is that he has no value. <laughs> Okay, that's he's, that's that's basically he's, saying he's a complete. Well, but zero. you're saying, but you need zero as a concept to have other values make sense, right? Math. Oh, uh, now we're going to talk about the philosophy you, of math <laughs> as it applies to the existence of Luke Wilson. Do you do you have uh, an actor in mind who you think I uh, would step up to the plate and deliver a, a better job of performing than Luke Wilson in this these sort of typical Luke Wilson roles? Like, is there is there another performer? who you think he's standing in front of in the line that you'd rather see playing these everymen? No, because I think that's what I'm saying. Like there is a, there is a strength to what this is, but what this is, isn't being a, a magnetic performer. So it's hard for me to think of like, well, who else isn't? Because Luke, I don't know. He, he's found a fucking niche that I, I, I simply cannot explain. <laughs> a lot of what you're describing, Miles, would also apply to Keanu Reeves in the sense that he is really good at being sort of somebody that we project ourselves onto and playing a leading role in a in a action movie instead of a comedy. But he's he's bland enough to be a leading man uh, in a in a movie that you know where the point is we identify with the leading he's person. A fucking as to- he's a Manila envelope. You know what I mean? Okay. It's like, yeah, we need yeah. them. They're useful. Like, I'm not going to say Disagree. we don't need Manila envelopes. He's also, a Manila we envelope. We, we stand behind uh, Keanu Reeves on account of the the five subsets that his personal life bracket on Wikipedia has. I mean, here's a guy <laughs> oh, who's, yeah. who's living his life no, in Keanu the public eye. No, Keanu Reeves is... Uh, and I'm going to get killed for even comparing the two of them. I'm just saying yeah. that Miles's description... Of Luke Wilson no. is reminiscent of what pe- a- how people used to describe Keanu Reeves. But Keanu Reeves, though, like his idiot energy was powerful. Like it was, you're like, whoa, this yeah, guy's dumb, I think. But it's fucking, it's, yeah. there's heat coming off the screen. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's Luke true. Wilson is a fucking manila envelope. 
But hey, yeah. you need him. And I think also, would you could you imagine Luke Wilson in the Matrix? If we're really going to start comparing, like, <laughs> I would love to see these. Like, <laughs> it would have been a comedy. It would have been a comedy. It would have been a very different <laughs> film. But there, then again, I someone deep fake that, please. I have long said that Keanu Reeves is literally the only person who could have pulled off the Matrix. I think he's that. Yeah, it. it's hard because for me you to needed think of- a complete cipher. Like you needed a complete like neutral mask to project your own. Uh, who knows? I identity mean, into. You know, and I'm willing to say maybe in another timeline, Luke Wilson gets the part for the Matrix and we realize Luke Wilson, you know, who knows? Maybe Keanu beat Luke Wilson to the punch. I don't know. No, in that instance, the Matrix bombs. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it would have bombed. Would you rather see the Will Smith version or the Luke Wilson version? Because Will Smith was supposed to be Neo, right? And then he passed. Will Smith would have been at least interesting. It wouldn't have worked in the same way because it would have been... uh, you know, I think part of the Matrix is just, you know, imagining yourself as Neo. But uh, yeah. you can't quite do that because Will Smith's too charismatic for you to identify as a Will Smith character. But I, it would have at least been interesting in the same way that other uh, Will Smith movies are. Release the fun. Luke Wilson Matrix cut. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's what I'm we here are, for. Now. We ask of two things, the butthole cut, <laughs> the cut and, and the Luke, Luke Wilson Matrix. Matrix cut. <laughs> Somebody added the uh, buttholes to the cat's trailer, I think, or it was just a, a montage of different moments that would have been difficult to watch with the buttholes in there. And they just made them too pink. Like, it, was, it wasn't a realistic butthole cut, in, like in my fuchsia. opinion. Yeah, it looked like they, they had a bubble gum stuck underneath their tails. Was, yeah. Come on, what, guys. What, are Be we serious believe, with me. Are we to believe these cats... Have never taken a shit before in their lives? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> oh, fuck. Come on. Come on, guys. Brand new, driven off the lot, brand new buttholes? <laughs> no. Right. Come on, the internet. Take your job seriously. Also, how, do you, how do you think the cats in the movie Cats would shit? On all, like, would, they, would they be on their haunches on a couple of legs? Like a person? Oh, right. On all, right. Or on all fours, like a cat? Arching their back, like getting that... Yeah, I can actually that, picture uh, it. Back form, that's very, uh, it's ugly. Yeah. I don't like it. Huh. Fair enough. Let's move right. on. <laughs> next topic. Next topic. <laughs> all right, guys. next topic. We didn't get to any of the stuff we had in Act Three, but I think that's all right because I think we, we learned some things about ourselves, about Luke Wilson, about Keanu Reeves. Yes. Uh, Guy, it's been a pleasure having you as always. Uh, on the Daily Zeitgeist, where can people find you and follow you? Uh, you can find me at Guy underscore Mont on Instagram and Twitter. And let me tell you, my, my Twitter's going great, everyone. Some really funny tweets. Uh, so if, if I don't know if you like <laughs> to laugh, but the option is available. Fantastic. Is there a tweet uh, that you've been enjoying particularly or some other work of social media? Uh, there was a tweet actually by a very funny New York comedian called Ike Ofamadu, who's at Ike Minded on Twitter. Uh, and it was said another way, keep at least one egg in a second separate basket at all times. It's <laughs> <laughs> a really good point. Well, well put. Uh, Miles, where can people find you and what's a tweet you've been enjoying? Oh, man, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, uh, at Miles of Gray, and also my other podcast, 420 Day Fiance, where I talk about the show 90 Day Fiance with Sophia Alexandra. Um, and a tweet I like is from Reductress, uh, still riding that high of the of fierce internet debate over whether or not the, word, the term Karen is racist. Uh, and this is from at Reductress, it says, I can say Karen because my best friend is white. (laughs) (laughs) Kyler Will tweeted something about a man bringing me back nothing when I said I didn't want nothing. Don't sit right with me. Uh, And Meg Iver tweeted text unknown number. Hey, you busy? Me. Nope. Still in lockdown. Who's this? Rips off mask. Duolingo Al. I fucking knew it. Learn Spanish, (laughs) you piece of shit. (laughs) 
<laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song we ride out on. Miles, what's that going to be? We're going to go out on a track by Puma Blue, uh, who is a London-based musician, producer that we've uh, done a couple of his songs before, uh, but this one is called She's Just a Phase. Uh, It's very, you know, kind of gloomy love song with uh, very nice spooky guitars and things like that. Uh, So just enjoy this. Uh, Hopefully the weather is better than where it is, how it is here, but whatever the weather, enjoy your day, please. Uh, All right. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for this morning. We will be back this afternoon to tell you what's trending. We'll talk to you then. Bye. 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 She's just a friend, just a friend. Boy, yeah, tripping out, silently delighted. I'm poisoned slow. Jamur eyes reveal that I got to let.